0: When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website www.ctinnovations.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here.
1: Welcome to CT Startup.
0: All right, welcome everybody. And we are back for another episode of the Connecticut Startup podcast. And uh, tonight it's, uh, I'm uh, pleased to be with Nick Wagner and he is a person that, um, you know, before 2020, uh, I saw uh, kind of on LinkedIn and uh, in the ecosystem kind of uh, uh, putting out, putting out uh, good vibes and, and good things. And uh, it's actually kind of, I was thinking about this today um, is that there's a lot of people that I did not interact with on social media or, you know, interact with in, in kind of online um, until COVID. Um, until I kind of started reaching out a little bit more and so forth, so it's one of those weird things where like I didn't start utilizing what the internet is great for um, until COVID. So, um, without further ado, uh, Nick, uh, uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, uh, please so
2: introduce yourself. Yeah, Eric, thank thank you so much for for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity, and I, I love uh I love being on the other side of the the podcast. Uh, you know, inter- interview. Uh, when I'm actually not doing the interviewing. So it's a little little bit of a flipping the script here, but uh, no, I'm happy to be on. And uh, as you mentioned, you were on my podcast in 2020, which so I greatly appreciate that. But no, I'm really excited for the the to be on your your podcast, the CT Startup Podcast. I know you've been doing this for a few years now. And as someone who's owned a startup in Connecticut and sold a startup, and now that has their own nonprofit, I'm excited to talk with you about all things uh, Connecticut and startup and the ecosystem. So thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for uh, for coming on. And so uh, um, one of the things about CT Startup and uh, being a part of a startup ecosystem is that it's not necessarily just startup uh, companies that we're going to be interviewing and, and interacting with, uh, right? There's a um, uh, there's a whole plethora of different actors, uh, within the ecosystem. And again, you, you kind of mentioned that you had a business and we'll get and get into this a little bit more, but, you know, uh, Nick, you, you work at Cigna, you are, you're, you're part of the kind of the corporate, um, uh, aspect of the, uh, innovation ecosystem, but you also kind of got the bug again to, to do some, uh, innovative stuff and to kind of, uh, uh, I guess you can say do a CT comeback, right, and try to help out with with everybody in the state. So before we get to what you're up to now and kind of how we interacted, just give a little background of like uh, who you are, um, you know, why why Connecticut? Are, are we born and raised here? And yeah. uh, just give us a little bit of uh, background about that.
2: Yeah, I'll share. I'll share a little bit about me. So uh, when people ask, you know, to introduce myself, I always start with so. I, I'm a husband. Um, I have an amazing wife who supports all of my dreams and my crazy ideas. And, uh, I need someone like that in my life that is so supportive of all the things that I always want to do. Cause there's a lot of them. And if you ask her that never stops. Uh, so I have an amazing wife. I have three amazing children and a lot of what I, um, a lot of my purpose, Eric, I, I, I would say is driven by wanting to be able to give back to the community that they're a part of. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and, uh, and so I always start there because um, because family is really important to me and it always has been. But I'm a lifelong Connecticut resident, as you mentioned. So I, I grew up uh, here in Connecticut. I went to the University of Connecticut. I studied man- management information systems, so IT and business for those that don't know what the major is. And um, I love Connecticut. I am I am a, a uh, Connecticut fanboy. I am a champion for Connecticut. I I, I shout that from the rooftops. Uh, yes, there are things we need to improve in this state, which is uh, I don't like to just complain. I like to try to help fix them, which is, you know, some of what I, I do with, with the nonprofit. But um, and then you mentioned I work at Cygnus. So so currently um, I, I work actually in human resources. I went to school for I.T. I've owned a startup, but I somehow ended up in H.R. Right. So I I'm not Toby from the office. I promise you that. <laughs> Because uh, that's the first thing people think of when they think of HR. Uh, so no, I work in human resources. I'm actually an organizational development consultant. Uh, I ended up in HR um, kind of by accident. I was actually in IT uh, at Cigna, really enjoying it. And I was asked to run the, uh, the the information technology internship program. I did that for about a year and then it ended up running the entire leadership development program for IT and then had to make a decision. You know, one of those big grown-up decisions we have to make in life Am I an IT person or an HR person? And I decided I was an HR person. So I actually stayed in HR and now I'm in the, the role I'm in today as an organizational development consultant. So I uh basically had to help teams and people um with all different sorts of um, you know, di- different uh problems they're trying to solve or they're trying to improve their team or just you know be be better. I get to I get to work with teams and individuals to make that happen. So it's it's a really uh awesome role. I get to almost act as like an internal consultant.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And so if, uh, before we kind of get to, to what you're doing with that kind of all those skill sets now and kind of trying again help out the community here in Connecticut and, and abroad is that, so if, if, uh, if I remember correctly, you, t- you basically had a hobby that you turned into a business or right. Or like you kind of, you were, were into something and then you, yeah. uh, you ended up uh, turning into a business. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: So as you know, Eric, you've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs, um, Many of us start very young. So I was I was not um I was not that much different. Um I was babysitting at like you know 11 or 12 years old. I was mowing lawns and I started my first business in high school with some friends doing landscaping. So um probably you know common story for a lot of high school high school kids, you start mowing lawns, shoveling rock, painting decks. If 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 anyone's ever sealed a driveway with a really gross like, you know, driveway sealer, I did a lot of that over my summers in high school. Um, so that was the, that was the first business, it was just, you know, summers, you know, for fun in high school. But, uh, I then had this great idea that I wanted to be a DJ, uh, in high school and, uh, just decided to buy some DJ equipment, my senior year of high school. And ended up my, um, my first paid job as a DJ was my senior homecoming dance in 1998. Or uh, I'll never forget it. Our class president said that we needed a DJ for homecoming. And I said, Oh, I'll do it. She's like, you DJ? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, sure. You can have the job. And they just gave me the job. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes that's how businesses start, right? And I actually ended up DJing for 15 years. So uh, with my partner that I started with the business, we did it for until uh, about 2006, all through our time at UConn. I stopped for a few years and then did it with my wife. Um, started in 2008 again. So uh, so that was really like the first, one of the first businesses that, that I would say was, was sustainable. It was, it was an awesome time. Um, but then, as you mentioned, I had a hobby that turned into a business. So when I was in college, uh, no joke, um, I went to University of Connecticut. Th- three friends and I watched The Fast and Furious in 2001. And we were like, we like cars. Let's sell car parts. So we started a car part business. Why not, right? And I'll never forget, Eric, we, um, we went to incorporate the business at an attorney's office in Vernon, Connecticut. And we sat down in this, you know, Think of think of a, an attorney's office like you have, like there's just bookshelves everywhere with all these books. There's a lot of wood, right? There's four 20 year olds sitting in a room with this attorney who's probably 40 years older than us. And he points to all these boxes in the tops of the shelves. And he goes, you see all these boxes on top of all these bookcases, we're like, yeah. He's like, those are all businesses I incorporated that failed. And we're, we're, we're going to sign the paperwork to become an LLC when he tells tells us this, right? And we're like, wow, thanks for the pep talk. This is great, right? Like that, you know, way to go. But that actually kind of motivated us because we we kind of looked at him like, really, this is what you're going to tell us um, when we go to incorporate our business? So we incorporated the business in February of 2002. And um, we really didn't have a lot of planning. I I will tell you this, uh, just pause for one second, that for anyone out there that's listening that wants to be an entrepreneur, the one thing I will tell you that I did not do is have a plan going into what you want to do with the business. We had no idea what we wanted to do with it. Like we were twenty, we we're like, "Let's sell a car parts. This will be fun." So if you if you want to start a business, have a plan. Like, do you do you want to do it for a few years and sell it? Do you want to do it till you retire? Do you want to create it and give it to your kids? Just have some sort of plan, because going into it with no plan is not a not a sound decision. But we'll we'll talk about that later. So yeah. So we started we started selling aftermarket car parts um, for European cars out of my college apartment. We had car parts stacked to my ceiling. We were getting tractor trailer truck deliveries in the, in empty parking lots and bringing the car parts back to my apartment. And one of the, one of the owners, one of our four owners started the website and we were off. And, uh, we did, we owned that business from 2002 until 2010, when we sold the business to another, um, auto parked retailer that bought it from us.
0: Very cool. So, uh, that is, uh, yeah, you got, you know, sometimes you don't know what it's going to become. You're just kind of getting into it. Uh, and I bet you soon you quickly realize that you no longer had a hobby, right? Like you were, you had a business and it was, uh, it was all, uh, the fun and games kind of, uh, kind of were, were put to the side, uh, when, when a business, kind of, when, when the, when the LLC is real, put it that way. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, it was, it was, um, it was super stressful, but it was also one of the, you know, probably most reward- rewarding things I've ever done to build something from, I mean, we we literally each chipped in $300 and when we sold the business, uh, the last full year we owned it, we did just under $2 million in sales. So we were, we were pretty happy with how it turned out. I mean, it was a lot of long days and nights and there was a lot of things that went well and there's a lot of things that didn't go well, but you learn from those. But uh, it was, it was a great ride. And I I know I something I'm really proud of that we started that business. We proved a lot of people wrong and ended up selling the business. We were profitable. We sold it, it. It was a good story.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, lessons were learned for sure, right? Absolutely, that, that's, uh, that, that's always the case. And uh, by the way, you know, I think there's a lot of people that uh, watch Fast and the Furious, and a lot of things came to their mind, right? I mean, I know I had all the all the different cars and trucks that I was going to make, and and all the different things on my walls. Uh, I probably, you know, when when number two and three came out, that you know it changed a little bit, you know, the different styles and so forth. So. I, uh, I assumed you guys thought you're, I don't know. I can't remember the name. You probably know him, but like the guy who had the, the auto parts store, right? You're like, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the guy. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember his name either, but yeah, you're right. And and the interesting thing was that, and so this was, think about it. This was 2002, right? So this is pre-iPhone. This is pre-apps. Um, e-commerce was obviously a thing then, but not what it is today in 2021. So uh, yeah, one of our partners just built the, Built the entire e-commerce website from from scratch. You know, um, he was a computer engineer, and that's how he started. And um, it was it was it was it was quite the ride.
0: Yeah, much more big of a deal to say you built a website your e-commerce site back then than it is now, right? It's like oh, you just went on Shopify and made a site, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that, that, exactly. That, that wasn't around when we first started. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we had like this whole custom built website was was pretty cool. And and the interesting thing was, which and a lot of your your listeners if they're younger than us might not be a part of all these, we actually did most of our advertising on internet discussion forums. So we would go to discussion forums that were targeted for Volkswagen or Audi or, or, or BMW. And that's where we would advertise. And that was a huge source of our business was those internet discussion forums. I don't know how popular those are still today with, you know, with Facebook groups and everything else, but that's where we did a lot of our advertising.
0: Yeah, like uh, the the chat rooms and those discussion boards, right, where the early Reddit and the early, yeah. uh, the different places where people went, which, uh, you know, I think uh, I think all of us from back in like the early 2000s, 90s that uh, were on AIM, and there, we all have interesting stories about those rooms. Regard, you know for sure. So, uh, but uh, nice. So, uh, one thing that I have learned to appreciate a lot more this year uh, is definitely the transitions in people's careers uh, and the different how the arcs of, of one's career and so forth. So, uh, um, tell us a little bit how you transitioned out of that business. So, was it a was it a decision? You know, you all came to uh, you know one day were like, everybody's like, I'm done with it, or was it like myself with my transition? Is hey guys, I'm having a child, so that means that my business partners are like oh we're having a child too, right? Uh, so uh, so tell us a little bit about how that yeah. tra- transition happened.
2: So excellent question. So uh, again, I mentioned there's four of us that owned it, which is honestly, in my opinion, too, probably too many for a small business. Again, we were 20 and really didn't think that far ahead. So we got to the point where some of us were starting to think about having kids and we knew that that was going to change things. Uh, and the other thing, what you know, the interesting thing was we actually decided to sell the business in 2000 and probably like the beginning of 2009 uh, end of 2008 in the middle of like the worst economic downturn that we've had since the, the, you know the Great Depression and we were actually doing really well so I actually was the one that proposed the idea we all wanted to take the company in different directions and really couldn't agree on it So my idea was the business is doing well why don't we sell the business and we didn't re- we hadn't even really thought of that and we actually ended up um, finding a business broker kind of like a real estate agent who helped us list the business and find us you know potential buyers. And it took us, yeah, you know, it probably took us all of 2000, almost, almost a year, probably to actually find a buyer. And then it took us probably another eight or nine months to close it, right. To going through everything with the, the attorneys and everything. So it was, a, it was a long process, but I think it was definitely worth it. And, you know, we're all still friends today. And I think that was one of the big things we wanted to make sure that happened was we were all, we were all still friends. Um, and if you look at the other, you know, this was kind of really looking ahead, but if you look at where the the future of the automotive industry is going, we knew that long term this was not going to be a sustainable industry. As we eventually transition to, well, let's be real, Eric, in our lifetime, most people will have self driving cars. How many people will be <clears throat> will be modifying their self driving cars, right? So we, we we saw it as an industry that was on the decline long term, uh, and we thought, well, you know what, let's let, let's cash out while we're doing well, and that was really the direction we we, we went in. And um, again, I think. That's why I said earlier that I think everyone has to kind of go into a business thinking, what is their long term plan, because I think you will run a business differently if your business is to sell the business in five years, keep the business till you retire, give it to your kids, you're going to make different decisions based off of what you decide to do with it long term
0: uh for sure and there's uh you know there's always uh um there's always the lessons learned on the first uh business and on the second business and on the third right as you go you learn different lessons and a lot of the times uh in um uh, kind of like people's first business a lot of the times sometimes they're starting it with their friends right and you know some attorneys they every attorney has that that uh that story about how they come in and they're saying okay so what's what's happening with the lc who owns what how much does each person own? they're like oh there's three of us, so it's split down three ways, right? Because because we're all here at the table, that means that we're all doing the same amount of work. We're doing, you know, we're all going to be in it for the same amount of period, right? And so that that's a that's a piece of it. And you're right. If you if you're going into it as a lifestyle business, that's one thing. If you know you want to kind of build something up and pass it down, which unfortunately for a lot of restaurants and a lot of different service businesses. They got hit, right? It's not being passed down, or the the um the generation I would get it passed down to the saying, I can't take that burden on. Um, so you know, again, different decisions. Um, so it's uh again, lessons learned, uh, for sure. Um, and you have to kind of um and the other th- the other unfortunate thing uh with starting businesses with friends is sometimes there's there's a decision to Uh, value business over friendship. Right. Um, And I think that I, I assume uh, uh, those conversations were had uh, just like, I know that those have been had in businesses and, and, uh, uh, you know, projects that I've been involved in um, where people have had those, you know, what do we value more, the friendship or the business? So, so I guess, uh, so, you know, obviously you went to the corporate world, Um, you know, you ended up, like you said, you, you, you uh, have a family, you see yourself as a family person first. I, I very much appreciate that. Um, obviously this year I had my first child um, and uh, interesting time to have a, a child for sure. Um, I know that that has changed my perspective as being an entrepreneur on how I would start a business, how I go about my business uh, and so forth. It also made me having, and we talked about this on your podcast about it, I had to you know, step away and say, well, I'm going to have to become an employee, right? I'm going to have to go be an entrepreneur or kind of take my, entre- my entrepreneurial skills to a business. Um, so, so I know you kind of, uh, we're going to kind of hit back on, I assume some of the skill sets and what you've done at Cigna, but let's kind of skip that a little bit because you've been there for a little bit, uh, a while now and talk about how you got the bug again. So you started itching a little bit for trying to start something new um, and tell us kind of about the thought process of like, you know, what you were going to start and what you were going to kind of do. Just kind of walk us through that.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to, I want to hit on two, th- two important things that you just said, <clears throat> because I think they're really, they're. I think they're really relevant to the conversations that you're having with, with entrepreneurs. Um, I can't explain this to people that don't have children, but the minute you have your first kid, your life changes in a very profound way. For for me, it's the best thing that I've ever done. I couldn't be happier having three kids, but uh, you know, people always tell you like, oh, your life's going to change and you're going to have a different perspective. And you're like, yeah, okay. I, you know, you kind of don't believe them. And then like, you go home with this baby with no directions on what to do with the baby. Right. And you're like, they're like, okay, here you go. Well, you're responsible for this thing. And all of a sudden, like everything changes. So, you know, I hear you, um, you're, you're not alone in that. And again, I think a lot of what I do with the, our family's nonprofit is because I, I know I want to do positive things for the community that my kids live in. Right. So it kind of tra- changes your, your perspective, on a lot of things. Uh, the other thing I wanted to hit on was you mentioned that, um, you know, i I work in the corporate world. I I work at Cigna, so like I mentioned, I'm in HR. And the cool thing about um, just because you're an entrepreneur, you don't own your own business, doesn't mean you ever you you stop being entrepreneurial. So I absolutely use my entrepreneurial skills in a corporate environment on a daily basis. If you ask anyone I work with, they will tell you that Nick thinks differently for most people that work at the company, and that was because I own my own business, and that was because I was the person who did the paychecks and and did all the finances and. I was the person who didn't get that paycheck every two weeks automatically in my direct deposit, right? So I think a little bit differently from from people that that have always worked for someone. And I think that's actually an advantage for those of us in the corporate world, because I think I'm a little bit more innovative, a little bit more creative. Uh, because of my entrepreneurial experiences, so I, just, I wanted I wanted to highlight that. But uh, you mentioned you know that I got the bug again. So I don't think I ever lost the bug. I think um, it's kind of always been there. I think once you're an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. Uh, the difference this time was that instead of starting a business, my wife and I started a nonprofit. And uh, the reason we did that was because we we wanted to be able to give back to our community. Um, we want to be able to you know ha- have the kids be a part of this one day in the future. And I wanted to do something that um, that I you know, I could do that my employer wouldn't have any issues with me doing because I'm not making any money off of it. So those were the kind of the driving driving reasons behind it. Um, it started just it's just an initiative uh, in 2016 is actually when it started uh, with my Innovate Connecticut initiative. And at that point, I really didn't even think like we're going to create a nonprofit. It was just like a, a thing I was doing. And then a little bit later, we actually created the nonprofit to kind of you know, be the all-encompassing entity around the initiatives we were working on. But um, I had this idea in 2016. So this was, think about it, this was right after GE announced that they wanted to leave Connecticut because they wanted to go somewhere where they had um, more talent and more innovative people. <clears throat> they didn't want to leave because of taxes. Let's, let's let's break that down for a second. They wanted to leave because they wanted more talent and more innovative young people. Um, I got really frustrated when I heard that. Uh, because I knew that we have a lot of that here in Connecticut, um, it wasn't. It didn't happen to be where they were on their on their suburban corporate campus in Fairfield County, but there's a lot of the, the talent that they wanted. Um, so I thought to myself, what can I do to help Connecticut and showcase the state as a as a, as a innovative place, right? So, um, and I, this is I want to share this story because I think it's really important for people that want to be entrepreneurs, uh, the, the importance of being willing to pivot. So when I started this initiative in 2016 called Innovate Connecticut, my idea was I wanna promote general innovation in the entire state, right? Like that is way too broad and way too big of a thing for me to do. So I pivoted from, from that to focusing on innovation in the education space because my wife is an educator, she's a speech pathologist. So I saw her working with working in the schools every day and I had kids that were gonna take advantage of our education system. So I pivoted from general innovation to education in the education innovation in the education space, focused primarily on educators, mm-hmm. and that pivot I think was really important because I I narrowed my focus and I actually think I made a bigger impact by doing that than just focusing on on just broad innovation. So the goal my 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 thought my thought my thought pattern was if I can promote innovation in our Connecticut schools and help the educators, that having a great education system. Is in a huge part of our innovation ecosystem in the state right when I say innovation, not just not just startup, but you know just innovation in general. So I thought having you know we're always known for having a great education system here, I wanted to try to help make that even better. Um, So that was really how everything kind of got started with um, with innovate Connecticut back in 2016 and and eventually we created the nonprofit. Um, it's called SITE, which stands for Communication, Innovation, Technology, and Education. We made it like a generic nonprofit, so I could do Innovate Connecticut under it, and I could do some other things under it as well, and my wife can do her work um, that she wants to do. And that's kind of how it got started. And what I love about it, Eric, um, you mentioned I got the itch, but um, I've had the chance to build brands, um, which I love so much, and build something to help others, um, but again, not, not I'm not making any money, so... It's not a conflict of interest to in my employer. So that's what I really love about
0: it. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I like how you hit on the idea of the entrepreneurial mindset and like the skill set of an entrepreneur and how that can be, uh, you know, um, leveraged within a corporate environment. Um, and so it's it's one of those things, too, is that, um, listen, I like getting a job is like the that's like the bad thing to do if you're an entrepreneur, right? It's like you're thrown in the towel, you're, you're doing all this kind of stuff. And like, that's the mentality I had. Uh, and you're, you're, you're very much correct. You think it's good. You, you, you're like, yeah, it's going to change me when I'm a father. But then when you're there, you're staring at him. And you're like, Okay, again, how do I do this? Again, no instruction manuals, it definitely it does change everything, right. And so um, again, I have very much a, 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 a big appreciation now for being an entrepreneur within an organization and also being like, I mean, I, I was so fortunate to land a gig with with Techstars actually doing work at the old GE uh, campus uh, up in Fairfield. So it's kind of like, a, again, full circle right here with this conversation. Um, but they were an organization that thrives on having entrepreneurial employees. And and employees that used to be founders are still founders, right? So um, I lucked out in in that regard. But I I learned a lot as an employee, learned about my skill sets, what I'm good at, what I'm, uh, you know, the weaknesses and so forth. So that is one thing that I know I'm going to be highlighting a little bit more. Is is you know entrepreneurs? It's okay to go get a job. It's okay. I know. Uh, so my partners uh, at Trifecta, we kind of scoffed at it a little bit. we were like, oh, if we're not full time and we're not, we, you know, if we can't, you know, if we're not every ounce of energy is is into this business, we're not we're not doing it. Uh, we're not giving it justice. And so that's necessarily false. If you can't survive, if you can't provide for your family, that's when you're not doing it justice, right? Um, and so uh, so I definitely uh, appreciate you kind of bring that up. Another thing is that. you you, like, it doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit or a a, a for-profit, it's still an organization that has to run, that has to create things, right? Create the brand, do the different initiatives, put it all together. And so it's just a, it's just a tax, uh, you know, every, every organization is bringing in money somehow, or at some point will, right? Or some other resources will have to come in to to make it kind of uh, grow the impact. Um, But the thing is that you made it real, right? So like, was there a point where you were doing this uh, before it was like a real nonprofit? Was there like a, a kind of a buildup? Like how long of a process did that?
2: Make? Yeah. So, it, it, um, so I mentioned Innovate Connecticut was what we, with the first thing I started back in 2016, we didn't actually create the nonprofit. I'm thinking, I want to say it was, I want to say 2018 or 2019, I think is when we actually registered it with the state of Connecticut. And I, you know, just for your listeners, I think this is a really important point. We are not a 501c3 yet. That is the next step. So, For those that aren't aware like you become you become a nonprofit first with your with the state that you're in and then if you want to take that next step to become a 501c3 that is how you can actually apply for a lot of grants and actually accept tax-free donations from individuals that is a whole other step with the federal government it is a whole other level of of, um i would say intricacy that you have to go through so that is the next step we are looking at up to this point we haven't had to accept any money from anyone we've done everything you know out of our own out of our own pocket but to your point, Eric, to kind of take it to that next level, that is something we are looking at because at that point you can't apply. There's a lot of grants out there for, for 501c3 nonprofits for different things. Uh, you can actually you know, ask for, for tax-free donations. So that'll probably be the next step. Um, and again, I think the, the fact that it went from just something I was doing for fun as an initiative to, hey, let's like formally make this a nonprofit. It, you know, because I was doing Innovate Connecticut. I started another, um, another initiative called the Full Potential Movement which was focused, this focuses specifically on people's career journeys and helping people reach their full potential with their careers. There was something else I started. So it was just, it just got to the point where, and I mentioned my wife is, has, has done something as well in her field with assistive tech and, and, and speech pathology. It made sense to have a, an actual entity. So we went ahead and formally did that. Um, and, and again, the 501c3 will be next.
0: Mm-hmm. There's always a progression. Uh, it started as an idea in your head and then it turned Absolutely. into a podcast and it turned to something else, right? There's always a progression to it. Um, and, uh, but it, but it is, it's your, 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 uh, making things happen. So that, uh, and uh, listen, I love the, the story of, you know, I just started doing it and then it started getting traction and then people started interacting with it. I mean, that's how we're sitting here talking because of this podcast five years ago, it was an initial kind of conversation between Dave Menard and my, myself, uh, and it turned into something and then this past year you know we got sponsorship from uh connecticut innovations and ct next so it's like one of those things where small steps ends up becoming kind of like a long journey right um and uh well, so we're you know we're, we're like i i like i like that story because i can i can resonate with it
2: <laughs> well i think you bring up a great point uh, i think a lot of entrepreneurs have to be patient <clears throat> it's it's um no, no matter what you're doing right it it, it takes time um nothing uh, in, in we live in this like instant world where oh, uh, you want to watch a show, you can instantly pull it up. You want to listen to a song, you pull it up. It wasn't like when we grew up, where I had to call the radio station, request the song, and then record the song in a boom box on tape to get to listen to it again. Right? It's just a little bit different now. um You know, you want to find a date, you go on an app. You want you need it. You need a car, you go on an app. You want food delivered, you go on an app. Starting a business or a nonprofit is is it's it's a grind. I mean, it takes time, and that's why. It, you know, it takes consistency, It, it the willingness to pivot. Um, there, there's a lot that goes into it. So I, my, my, my recommendation for your listeners that are, they're thinking about starting a business is you have to be patient. It's not going to be overnight. It is not this glamorous thing that a lot of people see on the internet and think like, oh, being a, being an entrepreneur is this glamorous, like amazing journey, right? It's, yeah, it can be. You can also be crying in your basement because you don't have any money, right? Like you, you know, there's a lot of Different places you can be as an entrepreneur. So I want to make sure I point that out because it's not as glamorous as, as a lot of people think it is.
0: Uh, that is that is for sure. Uh, I actually, uh, uh, my wife kind of laughs about it um, because I, uh, when I met her, um, you know, I always wanted to know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. A lot of my friends knew that I wanted to start stuff. I was always the type to, to do those kinds of things. And when I met her, um, I made a comment early on. Uh, to to the effect of like I'm gonna put you through the ringer like I'm gonna uh, you're you're gonna I'm gonna see if you're you can stick it out with this whole thing and what I meant by that and and what it was is that like you can be if you're with me on the grind on the grind to being an entrepreneur and trying to push stuff together and being able to, to be there like you know me being able to convince her maybe not let's not go out tonight right let's let's save it for another night and then you know keep keep kind of pushing that off and uh and all that kind of stuff i mean that's that's the the big piece of it and i felt i'm fortunate enough to be able to have found my, my wife uh along that journey and she was with me for it because it is lonely. Uh, it's good to be able to kind of go back and kind of, you know, ha, uh, uh, unwind to and, and vent uh to, to some people um, and having that people around you to be able to kind of uh, not be in the business, but be able to, to support you. I think that that is an un um, uh, people don't give it enough credit. It's like family and friends, right? Family and friends, like a lot of investors say family and friends. Did you go to family and friends and get money? No, but I went to family and friends for a lot of other things, right? Right. Hey, can I come over for that dinner? Oh, hey, oh, you're going to buy beer tonight? Thank you. I appreciate it. Right. You know, all, all those kinds of things that uh, that's very important. And, uh, it's a grind it's a hustle per, persistent um you you said uh, the word pivot a few times now in 2020 that's it's kind of it's kind of funny too is that like every i think that word's been uh, i th- I feel like that might have been a good word for for 2020 is like pivot we you just need to keep pivoting until we find something better um and a lot of people have been been going through that uh right now and so i want to kind of transition a little bit to the full potential uh movement right and kind of what you're doing there and how that kind of ties into entrepreneurial uh, kind of skill set. So, what is the full potential movement, and uh, when when did that uh, come about?
2: Yeah. So, um, I had this idea that in my in my job at Cigna is when I was running our leadership development program for IT, I realized that I absolutely loved helping people develop their careers. I loved mentoring people. I loved coaching people, and I loved. What I didn't realize at the time was helping people reach their full potential in their careers, and after I um, stopped doing running the leadership development program and, and moved to the role I'm in as an organizational development consultant, I missed that because I wasn't doing as much of that in the job I'm in today. I work with a lot of teams and organizations, but not as much on an individual basis. So I thought to myself, you know, how can I do something to give back uh, outside of work and kind of fuel this passion I have for, for helping people, with, specifically with their careers? And I centered all of the, the whole idea around it, around people's career journeys, because everyone has such a unique career journey. Like we just kind of went through a little bit of mine. It's very different from yours. It's very different from my wife's, it's probably very different from your wife's, it's different from your parents, right? No no people's career journeys are the same. And what I realized is you can learn a lot by hearing other people's career journeys because they can inspire what could be. So, you know, someone might listen to this, this podcast with you tonight and say, Oh wow, you know, if Nick can do that, if if Nick can, you know, have a family, have a full-time job and have a nonprofit, well why can't I go, you know, be on that board of that nonprofit that I wanted to be a part of, right? Like I I can find time to do that. So I think you can be inspired by others. So I started um interviewing people about their career journeys and we would, you know, just what did you learn like, you know, talk about key things they would take away, you know, some of the big decisions they made and it ended up um first of all, I, I love it. So, I mean, you know, I love podcasting. I think it's so much fun. It's such a great, um, it's such a great way to connect with people. I love the storytelling. I love, I love talking to people and interviewing them. So I started doing that uh, and I'm in season four now. And what I, what I found was I started the podcast then I created a website to go along with it. And I added other content to kind of augment the the podcast. So other career advice. So I have, you know. Tips on interviewing, tips on resumes, tips on um, social media, tips on networking, right? So all all career related content to help people specifically with their careers, and why why I love it is because. I've had so many people come back to me and say, "Hey, I listened to your podcast, and I, I connected with the guest, and like I got such great advice from them." Or I watched this video, and you know, thanks for the advice on finding a mentor, right? Or, or whatever the case may be. So I I, I feel like I'm having a, an actual impact on people's lives and their careers, which is which is so powerful for me. Um, so yeah, so started with the podcast, started a website to go along with it, with social media, and the the most recent things that I'm working on. Um, we have a book coming out. Um, the book is hopefully going to launch in April. It's called 10 Secrets to Success After Graduation. And it's um, 18 of us contributed to this. So there's 19 stories, 18 contributors. And it's all different topics to help early career professionals that have just graduated from school uh, on this journey that we call life. Um, and it's all career related. So it's uh, you know, talking about your support system, talking about the power of philanthropy, you know how learning is a lifelong process so that is is um, currently working on it with my editor and hopefully going to get that published for for and released for an April timeframe right around graduation from college and uh, and high school uh, and then the last thing i'll share with the full potential movement is. Uh, I, I want to create um, free content like courses to help people with some of the co- topics that i've covered so. Um, I, I found this really awesome platform called thinkific which is an online learning management system that they actually have some free versions. And I've started putting some courses together. I'm in the early stage of putting some courses together that are going to be free for people that that are trying to do different things with their careers. So uh, that's the next step as well.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So, um, so when it comes to like, uh, I guess the job market, right. You know, and transitions in people's careers, like, uh, so one, I assume you're, uh, was this the, uh, uh, was April the original launch date or did you have to push it because of everything happening? Uh, good
2: question. So I actually started the journey with this book, at the beginning of 2020. And I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. And then COVID <laughs> came. So <laughs> it took a little bit longer than I expected, but it's okay. I, I didn't really have a timeline. I knew I wanted to release it around the graduation period of, of, of high school yeah. and college. So, uh, it, you know, especially when you have 18 people contributing, it's, it's a lot of getting people, you know, to get their stories to you. So um, so no, yeah, that we did de- definitely did change the the time frame, but I think it's gonna work out great. And I'm really excited for it. Um, you mentioned uh, you know the whole job market, right? and and what's going on with with Covid. and uh, i'd I'd love to hit on that because it, it's affected it's interesting how it's affected people's careers and their jobs and their businesses. Um, I know some companies that are just thriving <clears throat> um, during Covid. I know people that have started businesses during COVID, which is, there's actually been a lot of that surprisingly, which I think a lot of people wouldn't think is happening, but it it actually is. And then I know a lot of people, um, you know, personally and and then people that have connected me on LinkedIn that are unemployed and I feel for those individuals. So, um, as, as part of, you know, what I do with the full potential movement. So we do these podcasts every Sunday night, um, and, and share people's career journeys. I put together, um, an event we called the "Open to Helping" event. We did it back in December, where I um, I had about ten other HR prof- professionals from across different industries, different companies. I even had someone from the UK. It was the US and UK-based individuals. And we put together a whole day's worth of content for individuals that were that were looking for jobs or what they call on LinkedIn "Open to Work," and we talked about networking and and you know resumes and uh, interviewing. And what happened if you just lost your job? What are those next steps that you have to you have to go after, right? So we, we talked we talked about a variety of topics. I had um I had uh, a woman on there that who was a clinical uh, clinical psychologist talk about staying positive during a job search because it's not a really hard thing for people. And so we, it was all free content. Um, we recorded it. I, I you know it. It's all on YouTube. So if you go to fullpotentialmovement.com, you can see all the content there. But again, the whole idea was how can we give back to the community. With it, because there's so many people that are struggling right now, Eric. So, um, and a lot of people didn't know what to do, right? I can't tell you how many people have contacted me saying like, hey, I, I really appreciate this because I didn't know that I should tell people that I was unemployed or I didn't know that I should lock down my personal social media so people can't see it or that I should do this on LinkedIn. So I think it helped, helped a, lot of, a lot of individuals. And, you know, I think for people out there that are struggling right now finding a job, I always try to tell people the most important thing you can do is network Um, it's actually tell people and I know it's uncomfortable to tell people that you're looking for a new opportunity, because the best way for you to find a new job is by by actually connecting with people in your network.
0: That is, uh, networking. I mean, I assume that's one of the, one of the things within your, uh, within your book, uh, is about, uh, you know, college is all about building up your network. Uh, the whole, whole idea of, uh, your net worth is your network. Um, I, you know, there is, there is a gut punch when you lose a job. There is, there is that, yeah. that butterfly <laughs> feeling, uh, that you have, uh, for so many people, the pride, right. Of not being able to, to provide and, and so forth. Um, I mean, uh, sh- as an entrepreneur, I didn't reach out. I, like I I uh, put together a resume, uh, you know, in late 2019. I put it out in ND, Indeed. ND. I didn't tell anybody in my network that I was looking for because I I thought that if I told people in my network they were gonna they they were gonna kind of look down on me. They're gonna be like, oh, so you failed as the entrepreneur. So like we're gonna kind of check you out, and then, and they're be like, oh, so you're gonna go become an employee, right? And then the funny thing was that once I told them I got a job at TechStars, they're like, dude, like why didn't you? I didn't know you were looking. You should have told me, or you know that I mean that's great, but like I, I didn't even like what's going on, right? Like why didn't you reach out? And so that is um I, like I. I I understood it uh, and like I, I felt it from you know uh, from the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, I also and and I assume you're seeing this is that I know people who are in their late teens to early sixties that lost their job in in all shit all 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 rungs. I'm talking about presidents of of companies, you know, general managers all the way down, lost their jobs um, and and things have been happening so. Um, it, it's again the gut punch of right before retirement, right? You only need a few more years, you only, you, you know, um, and you can't provide for your family. I could only imagine that uh, that it's uh, it's gotten worse, you know, even you know, because you you always have that gut punch, right? But now in this kind of time, it's it's even worse. So.
2: It 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 it's it's affected people in just such different ways. Um, it, it really it it has really been. It's, it's been interesting how some industries are just thriving, other industries are just decimated. Uh, what I will say is this that, and I, I often share this advice to people that you don't start networking the day you need a job. You start networking years before you need a job. I can't stress that enough. Like, if, if you're, if you're some, you have you, your listeners listening to this podcast, if, if you have a job and you're gainfully employed, that is awesome. Start networking right now. Because you never know when you're going to need your next opportunity. And I always try to tell people you want to make you, you want to be in control of finding that next opportunity rather than you know someone making that choice for you. So, I, again, I, I cannot stress that enough. I think the, 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 the stat that LinkedIn shares quite a bit is eighty five percent of jobs are found through networking. Um, so you have a much better chance of networking to find a job than just blindly applying on a company website hoping that your resume gets picked out of the right now, think about how many resumes these recruiters are getting because there's so many people that are unemployed.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. again, reaching out to a few people, just asking if they know somebody. Hey, if you just keep me open, just put it in, you know, in the back of your mind, uh, and, and so forth. Um, so I guess it, like let's talk a little bit about kind of the skill sets of people coming that are looking for jobs now, and what employees are looking for. So, in one of the um uh, the podcast that we just recorded uh, in uh, in January, that's going to be released next week, um, uh, with yours and in, in our Netflix style style, so that people can binge our our podcast, you know going back to people wanted on demand um so uh al bot from the district of arts education talked a little bit about like the science of business and then the art of business right and so i i I resonated a lot with that because you know i understand the need for accounting i understand the need for kind of the uh, sops and certain strict kind of regimented uh aspects of business but then i like to play in the art side of business right the entrepreneurial end where you're coming up with new things trying new things and so forth so, like, are you seeing employers look for more of an entrepreneurial mindset and a more of an entrepreneurial employee? Um, like how does how how does that kind of play now in, in the job market?
2: So it's it's interesting. I'll say this, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Cigna. I'm just speaking just in general, you know, general what I've seen from an employment perspective. I think it really depends on the organization that you're going to work for and the culture of that organization. So the, the culture of organizations dramatically is so dramatically different. Eric, from company to company. And it's one of those things, it's really hard to understand the culture of a company without working there. Like I've always, I've always joked that if someone can figure out how to how to like capture the culture of a company and then let someone experience that before they go work at a company, they would do very well for themselves because it's a really hard thing to be able to articulate. Uh, so I think, I think your question is, as far as what skills do people need? I think it's really gonna depend on the culture of that company. You have some co- companies, the, the, the culture will absolutely embrace the entrepreneurial mindset and they would love someone to be innovative and creative and think differently. Then you have other companies where that probably wouldn't go over well. You know, it kind of depends what, 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 what you're applying for. What I often try to tell people is the, the first thing that you want to focus on when you're doing this job search, what do you, what do you want to do? Um, and then what do you have the skills to do? Sometimes those two things don't match up. Sometimes they do. So you have to, you have to kind of think of, figure that out but you also have to figure out, do you want actually want to work at the company that you're applying for? If you're not, if, if you don't believe in the mission of that company or your values, personal values don't align with the values of that company, it's going to be really depressing going to work every day. So find a company that you, you, you know, you appreciate what they do there. It's in line with what you, you, you personally feel and what you value. And then, you know, a lot of this is, a lot of this is timing and a lot of this is patience, right? Like the you know you might get you might apply to that dream company you want to be at but it's not your dream role but that's okay because if you get into that company you can always move around later right so so i think sometimes we have to make compromises and you i can't tell you what compromises to make you have to figure out what those compromises are that you're willing to make you know again if you have a family you might be willing to make more compromises because you need to have a house you need to feed them etc if you're a, a young 23 year old with no family no mortgage and you're living with your parents you might be willing to make different compromises based off of your situation. So I think that's really important. Uh, I think as far as just like general skills, I think are important no matter what job you're in, I, I'll, I'll highlight three things. So the, the first thing I think is um, just the willingness to learn, right? So I don't think it matters what company you're in or what industry you're in or what job you're in. You have to have that, that willingness and that curiosity to keep learning, right? So that, that growth, you have a growth mindset, you can keep learning new things. I think that's so important because I think most employers will appreciate that, right? So I think that that growth mindset and willingness to learn, I think, is huge. I think the the ability to communicate, no matter, again, what your role, so important, right? Whether you're um, working on Wall Street, whether you're a plumber, an entrepreneur, a teacher, a police officer, name the job. Communication is critical. It's going to be different, right? It could be some communication, maybe verbal like what we're doing. Some may be written, right? But, you know, communication is going to play a huge part no matter what you're doing. Uh, so I think I think that's my number two. And I would say number three for me would really be like putting the customer first and understanding what the customer's needs are. I think that's really important. As an entrepreneur, I cannot tell you how important that was to put the customer at the, the center of everything. Uh Having that, like, mindset of understanding what your customer wants i think is super important and again i don't think it matters what business you're in i think it's going to be a really important thing because pretty much every business has a customer so those those would be the probably the three things i think would kind of cut across every job no matter what you're really looking at
0: mm-hmm. and you can definitely uh point those out on your resume when you're, when you're going through is that how you absolutely you utilize those right and and so forth so um, and I, uh, the communication aspect, uh, I, uh, I learned a lot about my, like I told you, I learned a lot about myself as an employee. Um, I know that, uh, you know, uh, I've gotten better as the written, uh, I didn't, you know, it's kind of funny is that you're like, why do I have to do a book report? Why, you know, like back in, you know, uh, high school, you're like, why do I have to write, like, you know, talk about the book and how it connects to this. And you're just like, oh, because one day you're going to have to write a, you know, 150 page report. You know, and it's going to be you know talking about a year long you know project that you did, and so um, it's whether again everybody has some sort of um, proficiency or strength in one aspect or another. Absolutely, uh, you just got to kind of learn what you know the the areas that you just got to um, the growth mindset, right? How can I learn to be better in in one way or another?
2: And, um, and look, Eric, like I'm a big proponent of the Clifton Strengths Assessment. Um, the the whole premise of that is that there are things that you are really good at, your strengths, like your superpowers, and there's things that you're not good at. And guess what? We're not going to be good at everything, but you know what you can do? You can find people that are good at those things and you can partner with them. And that's the beauty of, of, of knowing what you're good at and how you can leverage those strengths and then find people that first, the things you're not good at and partner with people that they that, that, that can help uh, help work with you to solve the problem or accomplish something you want to, you want to accomplish.
0: Yeah, uh, self-awareness is is good in all aspects of life, not, not just uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, but for an employee as well. The ecosystem uh, appreciates what you're doing. Um, you know, uh, building up the human capital here in the state is a big reason why um, the Connecticut startup ecosystem is bubbling up. I mean, 10 years ago, we did not have this many people starting as many things and and kind of being as, as enthusiastic about it. Um the, the positivity message that you have for when you're uh, searching for a job, like same thing when you're building something, you got to stay positive, right? Let's pull the, the lessons learned. Let's pull the good stuff out of, out of today. Um, every day is not going to be great. Um, you know, I we always, I always uh, think when I'm having a great week, you know I have like four or five wins. It's like, oh, okay, where's the loss? Where's the loss, right? You're looking for it. Um, and, and and that's actually the positive side of it. It's, you're kind of open and willing to, to accept it and, and you know, uh, overcome the challenge and move on. Um, so, uh, so really appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, and I hope to kind of, uh, see you on the podcast a little bit later on in the year, maybe talk a little bit more about, um, you know, human capital and how we can kind of, uh, help some more people around the state and maybe even, uh, get some people in some, into, uh, some jobs. So, um, but, uh, Nick, so I, I appreciate you coming out to the podcast and, um, you know, appreciate the work that you're doing.
2: Yeah, Eric, I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing. I think one of the most important things we can do. For the state of Connecticut is is celebrate a lot of the great things that we have here because we don't celebrate those enough. And the other thing I would say is we have to we have to collaborate. You know, we we often act like Connecticut is the size of California, but in reality, it's the size of Puerto Rico. It's not that big. <laughs> and we, uh, you know, I think Hartford and New Haven and 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 Stanford and and these different all the different big cities and the counties. We have to work together if we want the state to be. What we all, what I think we all want it to be, right? So, um, the Connecticut comeback—it's it, happening. Uh, COVID, COVID might have slowed it down, but I think we're gonna we'll get there. And it, it, it's people like yourself with the CT Startup Podcast that are helping spread that message. So, thank you for what you're doing for the state.
0: Yep, and uh, I think uh, Connecticut comeback only happens when uh, collaboration is rife uh, throughout the uh, ecosystem. So, absolutely. Um, all right, great. Well, have a good night, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, sir. It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut.
1: So what is CT Next? Our our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, One by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits, Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company, um, and then you know we we offer uh, other programming relative to you know again building that that in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about you know incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and and occurs.
0: For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.